0: Welcome to the Honest Art Podcast. I'm your host, Jody King. As an artist for 20 years, instructor, speaker, author, and fellow rebel, I've worked with thousands of people around the world, from beginners to established artists, helping them create their strongest art and build a career doing what they love. So if you are ready to have a little fun while you learn about art, creativity, building a thriving art business, and living a bold, audacious life, you are in the right place. Also, if you're considering going pro in your art business, grab the PDF in the show notes on the five things they don't teach you in art school. All right, let's get messy. Y'all know I talk about honest art all the time. Honest art is the art that we all have within us that gets us so excited just about showing up and creating. It's Exciting because we're going to attempt to create something that is has never been birthed into the world. It's an expression of our unique voice. But <laughs> once we start creating, all that excitement and anticipation often leads to, what the hell was I thinking? We've all been there. All you want is to paint or to make something cool, but you get halfway through and immediately want to throw it in the garbage. You stare at it like, this is not exactly going as planned. And you may even start telling yourself, hmm, maybe I don't have what it takes to be an artist after all. You, my friend, are in the fugly stage. You may have heard it described as several things like the messy middle or the stuck phase, but either way, it's definitely not a fun place to be in. But that's why we're going to talk about this today, because I have been in the fugly place so many times that I should own real estate in it. It is the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad place of creativity. Or is it? It can actually be a great sign if you know how to get out of it. Every artist experiences it at one point or another. And I'll tell you more about that and walk you through my tips for getting out of the Fuglies. As I was Talking to my team about wanting to do a podcast on this, they said, uh, "Jody, you should really share a story about you know the you know when you've done this before when you've struggled yourself." And I thought, "That's like every single time I have created a painting. There's no one time. It's literally every time I have painted a painting, it goes through a fugly phase." And I used to believe that I wasn't artistic because every time i go to create something, it turned to shit. And I thought that that meant that I sucked, but little did I know that it was simply part of the creative process. So before I talk about how to get out of the fugly stage, we first have to address the creative process. Okay, so there are six steps to the creative process. I also want to tell you, I did not come up with the creative process. It was Adam Grant who did so, but God bless Adam Grant because when I you know, first learned about this, goodness, I don't even know how many years ago it was now, a bazillion years ago, it freed me from believing that I wasn't an artist or that I didn't know how to paint. So let's talk about The six steps of the creative process. Number one, the first step is when there's, you know, unicorns and rainbows. The first step is this is going to be awesome. That's when we first show up. We're so excited. Then comes the second step, which is this is tricky. And then the third step, this is shit. And then the fourth step, I am shit. We make it mean something about ourselves. Number five, "Mm, this might work. And number six, this is awesome. So those are the six steps of the creative process. And I wish I could tell you that the, the creative process only happens one time when we're painting. But the truth is, is that for me at least, I can go through the creative process many, many times in the course of creating just one painting. But I don't quit. So my point is, is it gets better, right? It really does. It does get easier, but it doesn't happen overnight. Why? Because First, there's a mindset shift that has to happen. We have to be aware of the creative process and we have to embrace it for ourselves. Because what doesn't help at all is when we are stressed or we are under any sort of pressure, it makes it really hard for us to be our most creative, free selves if we are feeling stressed and irritated. So knowing the creative process can really help and just going, oh, okay, I'm just in stage three. I'm in just, this is shit. I know eventually I'll work my way out of that. So sometimes um, that happens when we've just got a lot on our plate, we're particularly busy. Uh, Sometimes it happens if something pissed you off that morning. Sometimes, you know, it is worse if you're feeling tired or under the weather, you know, whatever. But sometimes it's also just a little deeper than that. Maybe you were told growing up that you weren't that great at art. I know I have had my own experience with this. Um, when I was in third grade, and you've, I've told this story many times, so I'm sure you've heard it before, but um, maybe someone made fun of you and your art once. Maybe that's what's keeping you um, from moving forward and being able to get out of the creative process. But sometimes it's that inner, I don't know, let's just call her inner bitch in, you know, in your mind that's telling you That, oh, you'll never be able to make something good. That one painting you did last week that was good. Yeah, that was a fluke. You got lucky. But seriously, y'all, artists, we have a tendency to be so hard on ourselves. So I want you to know that everybody that has spent any time in creativity has experienced this before. So if you're new I, I want you to know this is normal, but I don't want you to get stuck there. So let's get into it. Let's get into how you can get past this stage of your art and get back to feeling confident in and having fun with your work. So before I share my 13 tips for getting unstuck, I first want to tell you a simple, freaking powerful, powerful tip about getting out of the fuglies. You ready? Walk away. So all you got to do is take a minute, take a beat, walk the fuck away from that painting that is trying to kill you. It is Absolutely miraculous what can happen if you've been working on a piece, sometimes for hours. This just happened to me last week, actually. You're working on a piece for a while and all it takes is just to set your brush down, maybe take off your apron and walk around the block. Maybe, maybe it's just a, a pint of ice cream. I don't know. Whatever your version of walk away is, do that. Now, sometimes walking away is not going to be enough. Sometimes you're going to want to literally put the painting away. It can be for a few days. It can be for a few weeks. It doesn't matter. But sometimes you just need to put that sucker away. And when you return to it, whether you've walked away or you've put it away, something miraculous will happen. You will show up and you will see that painting differently. Okay, let's get back to the concrete tips for getting out of the Puglies. Now, it's important to know that 90% of the time when I am stuck in my art, or maybe I'm teaching a workshop and an artist has, you know, come up to me and says, I'm totally stuck. Can you come take a look at this? 90% of the time, if I'm stuck or another artist is stuck in their work, it has to do with two things. Number one, the values, meaning the darkness of the lightness of the color, the values are too similar. And usually the values are medium values. So they're in that kind of gray scale that's right in the middle. So if you look at a gray scale from one to 10, one being the lightest value possible, let's just say white. and 10 being the darkest value, which, say black. Right in the middle would be the medium value. that'd be like a number five. Oftentimes, if we are stuck, it's because we have too many medium values. So that's the first thing I want you to look at is, are your values too similar? Now, why does this happen? It happens because most of the time when we buy paint out of the tube or out of the jar at an art supply store, it's going to be a medium value. Now, there are some exceptions to this. Obviously, if you buy white or if you buy that light, light, light pink or, you know, that very, very light color um, or that, you know, dark paints gray or that black or whatever, some you know sometimes they are uh, lighter or darker, but most of the time they are... Medium values. I was just teaching a workshop recently, and I had all of my paints laid out so that artists can use them. I love that. Um, I always provide paints at workshops because I want artists to be able to use paint freely. And it's always Nova paint. We'll put if you're not familiar with Nova, it's a really great paint brand, and we'll put the link to their paints in the the show notes. But, um, but we looked at the table full of paints. I bet there were I don't know. 30 40 jars of paint and with the exception of maybe three jars they were all medium values so if you're stuck in your work check your work check the painting and see hmm are my values too similar Um, a little hack that you can do to also check on your values is to take a photo of your painting and change it to the black and white setting and if you don't have enough distinct values then changing it to the black and white will tell you that right away. Okay. Remember I said there were usually two reasons that people get stuck right away. So number one is values. And the second reason is because the sizes of the brushstrokes are too similar. So the, like if you've grabbed a paintbrush or whatever it might be, maybe it's, um, maybe it's a sponge brush or even a brayer or something but the sizes of the the brush strokes are going to be too similar and the reason for that is that just like our own signature when we are signing a piece of paper our our wrist the way we hold the pencil or the pen it's all very similar it's the same when we are painting. So when we're making brush strokes on the painting, if we don't make a conscious effort to really change how we're using our arm um, and make it an exaggerated move, then the size of our brushstrokes will be the same. So um, look at that. That's the first place I want you to go when you're looking at your paintings. Are your colors, mostly medium values, or are your brush strokes the same? Now, what is the common denominator between those two? The common denominator is that they're both too similar. Both of those things are too similar. So when we're getting unstuck, what I want you to consider is what can we make different? And I like to call this the dance of the opposites. What can we do that is different on the painting? So this would be where we would look at the painting and we would say, okay, if they're mostly medium values, how can I make some areas darker and how can I make some areas lighter? Okay, so think about that. Um, Also, look at your colors. Are most of them saturated? Is there a way that we can mix some colors together and make them less saturated? Because when you juxtapose fully saturated colors next to less saturated colors, you get much more of a sophisticated painting. Then also I want you to look at the warmth or the coolness of a color. And if you're if you're not sure about that, grab yourself a color wheel, or if you don't have a color wheel, just Google color wheel and you'll be able to pull one up online. But really interesting paintings usually have both warm and cool colors. Now, not always. Some people like to only use colors. Let's say you're painting an oceanscape or something, but if you could add a little bit of warmth and a little bit of cool to a painting, that oftentimes will be what it needs to getting you. Unstuck and out of the fuglies. Now, let's talk about a few more things that are really uh, more about composition. So, when it comes to composition, I want to go back to the opposites, right? So, think of it this way opposites attract. So, let's say you're looking at your painting, you're like, oh my God what is wrong with this? How can I make it stronger? Think about this. Opposites attract. Now, if you are somewhere, you can um, you can write this down, write this down. Uh, definitely download it, th- this episode, so that you can go back and you can refer to it. But let's talk about opposites attract. So that would mean that you would have thick lines of color and you would have thin lines. So that could be the difference between using a, a, a large paintbrush or just a paintbrush and using a, like a pen or a much smaller paintbrush. Then the second thing would be hard lines versus soft lines. If you're looking at your painting and all of the edges are really, really soft, maybe you're blending all of it, What would happen if you created some harder brushstrokes, a harder line within the painting? Another thing would be, as I said before, varying your sizes of color, making larger sizes and making smaller sizes of color. The next thing would be varying your brushstrokes, not in terms of size, but in terms of the direction of your brushstroke. So just like the signature, we have a tendency to either slant to the right or we have a tendency to slant to the left. It's the same with our brushstrokes. One way to get out of this is to turn your painting, especially if you're doing abstract work, is to turn your painting so that you're able to vary those um, directions of the brushstroke. Another thing you can do to get out of the fuglies, again, we're talking about opposites attract, is to actually change your tools. So if you're somebody that really likes to use one size of paintbrush, what would happen if you went and you used a scraper? Or what would happen if you used a brayer? What would happen if you used and or blended with, you know, my favorite Uh, Blue paper towels, what would happen if you, you know, used a fork? You know, get creative, but changing up your tools instead of just using one will oftentimes create really cool dramatic effects and you can get out of the fuglies. The next thing is from a composition standpoint especially is using odd number of elements. So if you are going to have different colors, if you, I like to always say, okay, put three different um, areas or maybe use it in five different areas or maybe use it in only one area. But compositionally, it's usually best if you don't use just two of something. So let's say you want to paint um, squares. So... Instead of painting two squares, you would want to paint three. Or instead of two squares, you would want to paint one. So use odd number elements. I don't know who came up with this, but I swear it really does work. All right. The next thing is if you're in the Fuglies, check out your focal point. Okay, you never want to have your focal point of the painting right in the middle. You want to have it like the, the upper third or maybe in the bottom third, but never right in the middle of the canvas. The other thing you can do is you could create really interesting visual interest by helping this the viewer see what's going on off of the canvas, like imagining what happens off of the canvas. And, and this is, um, this is important because uh, I see artists who are wanting to create really energetic work. And how do you create energetic work? Well, you create it by being energetic when you're painting, right? It all starts with us as the artist. So if you've got a stroke and you're wanting it to, you know, be energetic and really flow. If you put your, your mark on the painting, but it stops right in the middle, then it stops the energy of that brush mark. But if you can take your, your brush and you move it all the way to the edge of the painting, that makes the viewer consider, hmm, what's going on off of the canvas? What's going on outside of that? So all of those different things are great things to look at when you're feeling stuck. But you don't just need to use those when you're stuck. You can also use them when you're just trying to create, you know, stronger work than you've ever done before. But regardless, if you're ever stuck, simply ask yourself, where is this painting too similar? Where can I create more interest? by using the opposites attract principle. And if all else fails, you know, you can always just go for a walk. All right. That's all I've got for today. And I sincerely hope it helps. It's helped me many, many times. I like to print out this list and just, you know, tack it to the wall or have it handy in my studio But if you're ever feeling stuck or feel like you've got a problem that you can't just you just can't get past, definitely go to the show notes. There is a link in there where you can ask me a question. We can do Q and A's, and I can answer those questions for you here on the podcast. You can also DM me uh, on Instagram by going to Jody. That's J O D I E underscore King. K I N G underscore, or you can always uh, go to my website at jodieking.com But one more thing before we go, uh, just want you to know that I teach all of this and so much more color mixing and saturated colors and all of that in, uh, my course, the color course for rebels. Uh, and it's available on my website, at jodyking.com. And um, there's a a private Facebook group where if you joined us in the color course, you can post your paintings in the group and we can help you with critiques and just help you make stronger work. Okay. Until next time, friends, take good care of yourselves and each other. And for goodness sakes, keep painting because the world needs exactly what you have to offer you yeah.